Welcome to Lockhead on Marketing, where we're trying the world's first marketing pod storm. 30 days of strategies and ideas to help you create the future of your choosing. Hey ho, let's go. Thanks for pressing play. On this episode of the Marketing Podstorm, let's take a look at the role of marketing in driving real, dramatic, impactful, important social change. You see, I believe that legendary marketing does more than just drive sales. And believe me, I'm a big fan of making the cash register sing. However, legendary marketing does more. It moves the world. And I would argue to you that the greatest marketers, the most legendary marketers are actually category designers. They introduce the world to new ways of thinking, playing, and working. And for major societal change to happen, it requires new categories of thinking. What you might think of as very different points of view, points of view that move the world from the way it is today to the way we want it to be. Now, the recent brutal murder of George Floyd is yet another horrible example of racism in the United States of America and how law enforcement and the criminal justice system can be brutal for people of color in the U.S. As a matter of fact, according to the NAACP, African-Americans, frankly, are, are incarcerated five times the rate of white people. On this episode, let's dig into how marketing a provocative point of view to create a new category of social fabric that drives real societal change happens. And frankly, let's talk about how things like the battle against AIDS, the women's movement, and even the founding of the United States of America are actually acts of legendary marketing and what you might think of as category design. Now, America is getting back to work, but to create a powerful future, you need every advantage you can get. And that's where my friends at Oracle NetSuite come in. Whether you're doing hundreds of millions in business or just a million in business, NetSuite is for you. NetSuite is a complete business system in the cloud. And they have put together a playbook of the top strategies American companies are using to reopen. To receive your free guide, the seven actions businesses need to take now and to schedule a free product tour, visit netsuite.com slash different. That's netsuite.com slash different. Now, data has never been more valuable than it is right now. And my friends at Splunk want to help you bring data to everything, every question, every decision, and every action. Visit splunk.com slash D2E, as in data to everything. That's splunk.com slash D2E. Now, hey-ho, let's go. Legendary marketing is about the exponential, not the incremental. Legendary marketing is about creation. That's what category design is about. Creating the future of our choosing, introducing the world to something new, something different, and moving the world from the way it is to the way we want it to be. And look, you might say that I'm uh, Pollyanna-ish or too much of an optimist, but I believe legendary marketing does change the world. And I want to share with you three examples. First, in 2005, legendary uh, shoe brand Kenneth Cole spearheaded an incredible campaign. The idea was that if one person has AIDS, we all have AIDS, and that AIDS wasn't a problem for the people who had it and their families, but frankly, was a problem for all of humanity. And so to drive awareness and acceptance and understanding, 
Kenneth Cole launched a campaign, an awareness campaign, under the banner of We All Have AIDS. And they had incredible ads with uh, folks like Nelson Mandela, Julianne Moore, Natasha Richardson, Richard Gere, and many other celebrities with the banner that said, we all have AIDS. They even sold t-shirts that said, I have AIDS. And they got a tremendous amount of attention and they raised a tremendous amount of awareness. And this is a great example of how a provocative point of view focuses people on a problem to create social change. The idea that if one person has AIDS, we all do, and we need to get behind supporting them and certainly not be racist against people who have it. So that's a business example. Here's a more social example. After World War II, women had been working tremendously in the factories and in other capacities as men primarily were off to war. That began the seeds of the women's movement. But by the early 1960s, by law in the United States and in Canada, where I grew up, it was still the law that men made more than women. As a matter of fact, uh, my mom, Jackie, who was 16 years old in 1962, she got her first summer job working in, of all places, a rubber factory. She was, I swear to God, I'm not making this up, a rubber ball tester. (laughs) It's just a funny thing to say that your mother was a ball tester, but uh, I digress (laughs) before I get myself into any trouble here. But here's the big aha. She was paid 65 cents an hour. Next to her was a 16-year-old boy who was also doing his first summer job, and he was paid a dollar an hour. And that was the law. And I've asked my mom, I said, "Um, you know, mom, what line of bullshit were you fed to make it okay that he was making a dollar an hour and you were making 65 cents an hour? And she said the point of view at the time, which was the law of the land, was that men had to provide for a family. And so they deserve more money. And also thinking that women, for the most part, just worked in, in an office or in this case, a factory for a short period of time. And they would be finding a husband, getting pregnant and raising children and being homemakers. And so the law of the land was men made more than women. Then, as the women's rights movement and feminism really began to to expand and take hold, a powerful point of view emerged to change uh, thinking, to create a new category of work pay. And that point of view, that mantra was called equal pay. For equal work. That one sentence, what in business we might call uh, a tagline built on a point of view that everybody was equal and they needed to be paid the same, began to build momentum. And then by 1970, it became the law. And so in this case, a provocative and engaging point of view called equal pay for equal work caught fire and tipped. And then things changed. And as a result, what was legal became illegal. And so much so that if you did what the law used to be, which is pay men more than women, now you were doing something illegal. That's social change. That's category design at the social level, moving a society from the way it was to the way we want it to be. Now, let's go to the founding of the United States itself. 
As you know, I'm far from uh, a scholar, <laughs> never mind a U.S. scholar. However, with just a cursory understanding of the founding of the United States and a read of some of uh, America's founding documents, it's very clear to see the United States is not just a country, it's a new category of country. And if you start to look, you start to see what that new category is. If you go all the way back to July 2nd, 1776, which is when the Declaration of Independence was actually completed, and then, of course, published and made available on July 4th, it most famously says, quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The uh, Declaration of Independence goes on from there to say a less famous thing, but something that is very important as it relates to the situation we find ourselves in now. Quote, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute a new government, end quote. That's in the Declaration of Independence. That's a point of view, a very powerful point of view that is as relevant today than at any time in history. And I believe one that needs to be underscored. Now, if you roll forward in the category design of the United States of a new category of country, you roll forward 87 years to the afternoon of Thursday, November 19th, 1863, the Gettysburg Address, when President Lincoln doubles down on the point of view that created the United States with just 271 words. He bolstered the country during the middle of the American Civil War with these words at the Gettysburg Address. These dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Okay, so why do I bring this up? Whether it's Lincoln or the authors of the Declaration of Independence, Adams, Franklin, Jefferson, Sherman, and Livingston, they created a new category of country based on a point of view. And they were evangelists for that point of view and for a mission around this new quote-unquote experiment in self-government. So what am I saying to you? Whether it's a legendary entrepreneur, artist, or social change agent, the question facing all of us in the United States, particularly and frankly around the world, is what kind of country and what kind of world do we want to design now? If you believe what I believe, that we are living in a cocoon time, that is to say, there was before February 2020, and there's going to be after February 2020, as America burns with protests in the street, and I would distinguish between a protest and a riot, for the record, I support the protesters, and I do not support the rioters. So as America burns and people protest and riot, and the whole world tries to grapple with C-19, 
What's the point of view now? Who are the evangelists on a mission? Who will step forward to lead the United States and, frankly, the world? And here's what I know. For exponential change to happen, it requires category design. It requires the marketing of a point of view that mobilizes a movement to take the world to an exponentially different future. And that's why I think that real social change requires category design and legendary marketing predicated on a powerful and different point of view. And I think the world needs that more now than ever. All right. We would like to thank the good folks at Atranet, A-T-R-E dot N-E-T, building legendary B2B websites in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. Visit Atranet.com. Spiro.ai, proactive relationship management, helping you close more business. And man, oh man, we need to close more business, don't we? My friends at themission.org will help you build legendary corporate podcasts because now every business needs to become a media business. Check out mission.org today. I also need to remind you that today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. And I need to warn you that the oddcasts of this, uh, or the creators... <laughs> Of this podcast, we're probably consuming libations. We are produced and edited by living podcast legend Jason DeFilippo. Sarah Knox and Jamie J do technical execution and are responsible for Lockhead.com and a whole bunch of other shit. Show notes by Diane Gervasio. Candy Dandy keeps the trains running on town, on town, on time, on town, through town, on time. All of it. She does it all. Love you, mom and dad. Thank you so much. Then uh, the thought I'll leave you with today comes from Jay-Z, who said, I believe you can speak things into existence. Please stay healthy, stay legendary, and until we're together again, follow your different. 